This week's message from our Genesis series is entitled, Let There Be. And our passage this week is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and it reads as follows. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. The very words of God. If you recall last week, Kevin asked the question, what story are you living? And he talked about how Genesis 1 starts to challenge us with what story we're living out of. Are we living out of a story where the gods are fighting in the air and that they're most concerned with themselves or their own power or their own sexual exploits? Or are we living out of a story where God creates and speaks and says it is good? And so we talked a little bit about that last week. Um, One of the things that strikes me as we start to read Genesis 1 and 2, that we see how much time God devotes to talking about what's created on the earth versus how what heaven looks like. Did you notice that? It's one line. God created the heavens and the earth, now the earth. And he starts talking all about what's going to happen here. Isn't that an interesting flip? Think about those of us who are, are followers of, of Jesus, how much time we, we speak about heaven and getting there and how to get there and who gets in and who doesn't get in and all that kind of stuff versus really spending time, at least following God's example, spending a bit more time talking about what's happening here right now and just knowing, just trusting that that whole other heaven thing will work out, right? Um, So as we talked about the question, what story are you living in? We decided that Genesis is that better story, that better, more beautiful story to get involved in. And what I love about Genesis is that it's my story It's your story. It's our story because it touches all we know, all we are, and all we experience. It's like better than the Pat the Bunny book. Have you ever had the Pat the Bunny book? It starts with, you know, here are Paul and Judy. They can do lots of things. You can do lots of things too. Judy can pat the bunny. Now you pat the bunny. And you can feel the fur, right? So at the beginning, we have Pat the Bunny helping us in peekaboo. That works, right? Are you seeing any Genesis analogies? Because I am. Here we are, you know, animals. Um, Here's when they're hiding in the garden. Where are you, right? Um, Paul can smell the flowers, can you? You can scratch and sniff and smell those flowers right there. Uh, Judy can look in the mirror. Now you. God created us in his image. And Judy can feel dad's scratchy face. So touch and taste and smell and feel. And all of that is in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. We've got creatures of the sea and birds of the air and star and moon and sun and companionship and goodness and thirst and food and all of that. Even let there be lightsabers, that one says. So even all that, you know, all the creative good that will bring about Star Wars, episodes four, five, and six, then all of that good can happen all right there with just all of the beauty. Everything we touch every day, everything we breathe, everything we taste, everything we drink, that's all described in chapters one and two. And so better than Pat the Bunny of Touch the Fur of the Little Bunny Rabbit in the book is Touch the Fur of the Giraffe. 
right? All of this starts to be explained and described and celebrated right alongside in that first portion. And yet one of the other most beautiful things that we don't maybe notice from Genesis 1 and 2, because we're so quick to think about animals because we all like the zoo, right? I mean, it sounds like the best zoo ever. All of the exhibits right there, we can go and see them all. More than that, we are taught in Genesis 1 and 2, let there be and there was, it was good. And we're going to explore this a little bit. That in Genesis 1 and 2, God starts to teach us how to think about the world. He starts to teach us how to think about him and how to think about one another, how to understand how this world works. And so one of the first things that God does is he starts to say, let there be. And we discover immediately in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, that the words create the world. That God's revelation is going to come through his speaking. And all he has to do is say, let there be. And it was. And he just speaks it into existence. Now, words create worlds was a phrase that Abraham Joshua Heschel used. For those of you who don't know, Abraham Joshua Heschel was a Jewish rabbi, philosopher, mystic, um, around in the 60s and 70s, um, in the, more of the height of his professional career. He marched with Martin Luther King Jr. Um, as he did, he said, my feet were praying. He started to engage with the world in a beautiful way. And his daughter, Susanna Heschel, has written quite a bit. And she says this of her father. There's a picture of the two of them right there. She said her father used to say, words are themselves sacred. God's own tool for creating the universe and our tools for bringing holiness or evil into the world. He used to remind us that the Holocaust did not begin with the building of crematoria. Hitler did not come to power with tanks and guns. It all began with uttering evil words, with defamation, with language and propaganda. Words create worlds, he used to tell me when I was a child. And they must be used very carefully. And you can see that the power of what words we speak start to either bring beauty into the world, like let there be light, or they start to bring into the world, let there be power, let there be oppression, let there be tanks, let there be crematoria. And our words start to shape the world that we have around us. God simply speaks. And so in Genesis 1, we begin to learn the power of those words. And we learn that some words, once having been uttered, gain eternity and can never, ever be withdrawn. There are some words that we speak that gain eternity and can't ever be taken back. And there's a beautiful story of a of a rabbi in a village who gets um, gossiped about and slandered about by one of the members in the village. None of it's true. But the man ultimately is repentant and goes to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, I'm sorry that I said these things about you. Would you please forgive me? And what can I do to make it right? And the rabbi says, it's quite easy. Come up with me onto the roof. Man's a little nervous. And he goes up and he stands on the edge of the roof. And the rabbi has there a feather pillow. And he opens up the feather pillow and he shakes it out. And they watch all of the feathers go out into the village and get blown about. And he says, now go and pick up every one of those feathers and you'll be able to restore my reputation in the community. You see, some words we can't take back. And sometimes those words go and they float and they stay in a corner of our heart, of our soul, and they begin to shape the world that we live in. 
And maybe some of us here today, right now in this moment, are starting to think of those words that hurt us as we were growing up or that gave us life as we were growing up. Mr. Rogers said it this way, my personal hero. He said, the place between my mouth and another person's ears is holy ground. That what I say to you, this space between us, that's holy. That's sacred. And how I speak to you matters deeply. I don't know if you knew, but Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister ordained by the Presbyterian Church in the United States. And his pulpit was the television. His charge by the Presbyterian Church was to give an expression of love and care to children in the U.S. through that medium of television. And that's why he's always so intently making everyone feel so uncomfortable. Because he's always just digging right in and making sure that you immediately see that expression of care. Because he knew that the space between his mouth and our ears was holy and sacred. And he learned that from Genesis 1. Because God spoke. He simply said, let there be. And it was. Proverbs says it this way. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Which fruit do we want to eat? The life or the death? And isn't that true? Think, just don't turn to your neighbor and tell them what they said to you recently. Just think about the thing that somebody said recently that hurt. Or think about that thing growing up. When I was in junior high, uh, the guy I was dating, right, which is not really a thing you do in junior high, but, you know, you kind of do it, and then you hold hands when there's pair skating, and then you stop holding hands after music's over. This guy, he said to me, no, no, you're cute in a weird sort of way. Right? Like, I'm 40, and I still remember something this guy said to me in junior high. And, like, I think he was trying to be romantic. Like, he's like, no, you're cute in a weird sort of way. I'm like, really? I'm thinking that's not a compliment. What does Rob Bell call that? A a chocolate-covered turd. Yeah, that's what that is. (laughs) Right? You kind of taste the chocolate on the outside for a second. You're like, hmm, something wrong with this. This is not a raisinette. We're in trouble. Yeah, so all of a sudden we start to realize that when people speak into your life, that things can hurt deeply. But then I also have moments where Kevin and I are sitting at that family event and somebody in my family says one thing or the other and we're just married a year. And he leans over and he says, you know, that's not true, right? You know, that's not true. And they just said about you. I'm like, I thought that wasn't true, but I just didn't know my whole life. You can speak life. Or you can speak death. You can speak light. Or you can speak darkness. This is what God teaches us in Genesis 1. When he says, let there be, he's explaining to us that words create worlds. And this is how God reveals himself to us. If you remember the Israelites at Mount Sinai, when they're getting all of those words from God, it says this, the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And what I love about this, this is so exciting and great. Ready? That because God used language to bring things into being, he gave us the opportunity to do the same. He used something we can all use. He didn't go, yes, he's God. He's got his, you know, 
amazing God power, right? But he didn't have to go and say, I'm going to go start to, you know, mix something up behind here, over here. Don't look, don't peek. No, sun, right? And so instead he just said, let there be, and there was light and it was good. And when he starts to say, I'm not going to reveal myself to you by showing off, by doing all these crazy things, I'm simply going to speak. And all you have to do is turn your ear towards me. That when we hear his voice, when we hear him speak, when he says, let there be, and there starts to be beauty and hope and goodness and love and joy and all of that created in front of us, he's inviting you. He's inviting me to say, come join me as a co-creator in the process. And let's all use the language that I am giving you to start to speak something good into the world. Let's look at the next phrase. And there was. This is the point where we move from words to will, from imagination to action, right? It's not enough to say, let there be a nice party on Tuesday, right? Now we have to say, yes, let there be, and now I will do it. We will have a nice party on Tuesday. So this is the point where we move into action because just as God is creative, so are we made in his image to create, We are made in the image of God. And just as God is free, so we are free and created to endure that, ensure that freedom for others. So as we start to learn how God is acting, that God is creative, then he's saying, come partner with me and you be creative too. I've created you in my image. You too get to speak. You too get to bring life with your words. You too are free to choose to do that. You also are free to choose light instead of darkness. And God starts to invite us into the process of moving from just words into action, starting to see things come about. For us in Spark, it might look like this. We can sit and be staggered by the fact that there are 20 to 30 million slaves in the world today, more than at any other time in history. And constantly, again and again, we're seeing that that the slaves that are being sold, bought and sold, are devalued more and more and more so that you can buy and sell a human being for under 50 bucks today. Never to be heard of in the worst portion of our American history during the time of slavery, where human beings were actually quite expensive. We've now devalued human beings to nearly nothing. And when we start to look at these things, when we understand that over 40% of all of the trafficking that comes through the West Coast comes through the Bay Area, we can just sit there and lie flat at the power of those words and not know what to do about it. But the great good news is that because we're made in the image of God and because God has created us not just to speak, but also to create, to move our will and our imagination into action, we have beautiful things like John Lennon saying, imagine, right? The best part about the song is that he's saying, let's dream a little bit. And Martin Luther King Jr., in that moment, none of what he's hoping for is a reality, but he starts to dream. And the words that he's starting to put into action, all of that, because we have that language, we can imagine a world different from the one that currently exists. And because we have free will, we can work to bring about that world. And then all of a sudden, we can start using different words, like fighting for a slave-free Bay Area. And we can say, yes! Those words are words I can get behind. Slave, free, bay, area. That's going to happen. Let's work to make those words come into existence. And then finally, God says this. It was good. It was good. And just as God is good and recognizes good, so we are created to do the same. 
You know, most of the people that are out there in different lifestyles, most of the people who have been human trafficked, they have had a life where they've been told from day one that they're not good. It makes them quite vulnerable to the predator, to the, the exploiter, to the trafficker who comes alongside and says, I can promise you the world. I can promise you a better life. Don't worry. I'll love you. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. And then they start to lure and they start to make these false promises. They're often the first person in this woman's life or this young girl's life or this young boy's life to say, I'll take care of you. And because they're the first person to be able to say, you are good, even though they're lying through the pit, those people start to trust them and that word starts to create a world that's not true and it starts to lure them in. Most of the people that are victimized, that are marginalized, that are in poverty, that are deeply hurting in our community, they are deeply hurting because no one has ever come to them and said, you are good. God created you in his image and it was good. And one of the best, most incredible things that we can do is not simply to be good ourselves, but to look into the life of somebody else and say, you're good. Let me help you to express the fact that you are fully made in the image of God and it is good. Let me walk with you so that you can start to believe too that you are good. And when somebody else starts to believe those words, they start to live differently. When somebody else starts to walk alongside you and say, you're good. You are essentially valuable in this world. When we start to be able to follow God's example by declaring that something is good and then bringing that good out of it, celebrating that, then we start to see that the world gets to change just a little bit. It's a little of what Kevin talked about last week, the choice between being a Genesis 1 person and a Genesis 3 person. Genesis 1 is that wonderful passage that says, God has created male and female in his image, and he said, it is very good, versus Genesis 3, which is where the sneaky snake comes, and then we eat the fruit, and then things get bad, and we start walking around like we will always be bad for the rest of our lives. But the story starts in Genesis 1. It doesn't start in Genesis 3. Have you ever noticed even your self-talk? Maybe the person that you need to talk to about those words is right here sitting with you right now. And the words start like, I'm so terrible at my job. I can't believe I just did that. I'm such a mess. What's wrong with me? I can't believe, you know, I could say, I'm going to get up and teach about words creating worlds. How's that going to work? I'm a pastor. Am I going to be able to do this today? How's this going to mean? I can just, you can have all that self-talk that sits there. But instead, if we follow God's example, we see that God says it's good. And he starts to recognize the good in it. And he shows us how to do that and how to do it in one another. Have you ever been around somebody? It's like the Debbie Downer skit in Saturday Night Live where all that they do all the time is just talk about how bad it is. How often, how, how much time do you want to spend with that person? right? And you're like, oh shoot, that's me. That's why no one's sitting next to me at church this afternoon. It's because it's exhausting to constantly be the person to say, no, no, really, you're, no, it's terrible, it's bad. It's like Eeyore, right? There's never going to be anything good that ever comes. But instead, if you're the person that starts to walk around and says, okay, you're a hot mess, but let me just tell you, this part's good. And you can start to even identify in the difficult, in the most frustrating person, there is still something good in that person. And I'll tell you exactly why and how I know that. Because God said so. Because he said that all of us are made in the image of God. 
God is still speaking. God is still creating. And he is still inviting. Do you want to join him? Would you like to join him in the process of co-creating, co-speaking into existence? Beautiful things. Would you like to join him, join us in the process of saying, let there be, and it was, and it was good. This is the beauty of Genesis 1 and 2. And one of the last things that's so fantastic we learn about it is that none of this is something we do on our own. God didn't start Genesis and say, here, let me just hand you this piece of paper. Here's how you start doing some good stuff. Great. He does it with us. So if you're sitting here saying, but I am not good and I stink. First of all, you should, you know, get that person out of your voice. You know, just turn off, change the radio station. Start listening to God instead of whatever's hanging out inside. But if you're sitting there and saying, I'm weak, I don't know if I can do this on my own, I'm not sure, well, guess what? You have community and you have God himself who's walking with you and saying, I already told you it was good. All you have to do is echo me. I already spoke it into existence. All you have to do is follow my example. Let's start to speak into existence, into one another's life. Beautiful, kind, amazing, life-giving words. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you, Lord, so much for this beautiful story. Thank you for inviting us into the process of creating with you, of looking and seeking out how it is that you yourself act in this world, how you speak things to, into existence, how you bring them into, into existence, and then how you say that they are good. Jesus, we ask you right now that you would give us that spirit of hope, that you would give us the spirit of hope and joy that's required in order to imagine a different future than the one, than the present we see in front of us, to imagine that things can be different, to be ridiculously optimistic, to be in some ways completely maladjusted to this world because we refuse to say that evil is okay. We refuse to say that darkness is just here to stay. Instead, as people of God, we say, no, let there be light. And it was, and it was good. So God, fill us up with the power of your Holy Spirit. And first and foremost, Lord, would you please speak to our hearts so that we can hear you say that we are good. God, let us all hear that beautiful message today that you look at us and you say that we are good, we are made in your image, and that you love us. Thank you, Lord, for all of your gifts, for all of the ways in which you work. We give it all to you for your glory. Amen.